A video version of this podcast is available at AboundingJoy.com and also on our YouTube pages. Hey guys, thank you for joining me in another Veritas 2020 video. Many years ago, actually it was in the early 1990s, I'm pretty sure, so about 30 years ago almost maybe, Vicki and I were still living in Garland, Texas, but my mom lived here in Telco Plains alone. We live here now, of course, but in those days, we lived in Garland, Texas, and she lived here, and we'd often come up to Teleco Plains for a vacation. And one year, uh, on a vacation, we brought several of our sons to Tennessee to visit with mom here in Teleco. And one day, on that vacation, we decided, let's drive across the Cherahala Skyway to Robbinsville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful drive. If you've never driven it, you really probably should. I highly recommend it just because of the beauty. I mean, <laughs> you have to be careful you have to manage to avoid being run over by a motorcycle. Sometimes they move across through there pretty fast. But there are many incredible views of the mountains of East Tennessee and, of course, of Western North Carolina when you cross the line. Anyway, we spent the day doing that. By the time we were ready to head back over to the Tennessee side of the mountain, it was dark. And so I decided when we were at the 5,000-foot level to pull over into one of the little parking areas there. And I parked and turned off the lights to our old Ford Club wagon van. And I just made the boys sit there for a while. It was a gorgeous, perfectly clear, moonless night. There was no moon at all. And of course, up there, there were no lights of any kind around us all. No, no street lights. There were no vehicles on the road at the, at the time. So I just made the boys wait a few minutes, sit there in the van for a few minutes while their eyes adjusted to the total darkness. And then I let them get out of the van. And it was totally breathtaking. I can still, in my imagination anyway, I can hear their oohs and wows in my mind's ear. You know, they were just, they were looking up. They'd never seen anything like it. They'd lived in the Dallas Metroplex all their lives. Any, like any city area, lots of light pollution there. And when they looked up at the sky... It was an awesome and very memorable experience. It was beautiful. And in the days before electricity, streetlights, light pollution, many, many, many nights were like that. You could look at the incredible stars across the sky. It's gorgeous. Well, we marveled there for a few minutes at the glory of God's awesome creation that we could see with our own eyes in the stars. And we finally piled back into the van and finished our trip across the mountain. Now, this obviously wouldn't have worked for us, but if we had been willing to wait there on the mountain for just a few more hours, we would have been able to watch another scene of incredible glory. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there would have been some gray across the eastern horizon. And then things would have gradually gotten lighter, and then when we got closer to the sunrise, we would have started seeing some incredibly beautiful colors streaking across the sky. And then finally the sun would come up, and it would be glorious. You've seen sunrises. So brilliant, we couldn't have looked at it without damaging our eyes, you know, eventually. And, of course, the sun would have brought not only brilliant light on the scene, but warmth. And, of course, it would have revealed the awesome beauty of God's creation all around us. It's a glorious thing to watch the sun come up. We'd stayed through the day in the evening, we'd have seen some more glory. <laughs> it would have been a sunset. And sunsets often just take our breaths away, especially in the mountains. So if, if we'd stayed long enough, 
would have seen all that beauty. In fact, if we stayed long enough, we might have seen a thunderstorm come through at some point in time. And if you've ever been on a mountain, the winds, the thunder, the lightning, it's awesome, frightening. And it would have been an amazing demonstration of the glory of God, all of that. So right there on the mountain with just our eyes, you know, we could have realized without, without a telescope, without any fancy instruments or anything like that, that whoever made these things is not only awesome in power, obviously powerful, but he's an incredible engineer. He's an incredible designer to put all this together. He's an incredible artist, it's a stunning beauty. And it's things like this that we're talking about now, describing, I, I think you can see all this in your mind's eye, caused David to write, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. He could see the glory of God, just like we can. At the right time, light pollution can mess that up. <laughs> We've got ways of messing it up. But if we can get away from a lot of man-made stuff, it's pretty awesome. Same thing it caused Solomon to write in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made all things beautiful. God's an incredible artist. Kind of thing that caused Jeremiah to write, it's he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding, stretched out the heavens. That's God. Caused the Apostle Paul to write this, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God's shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. Bible's very clear. God's revealed himself in his creation, and it's awesome. And the closer we look, the more awesome he is. He doesn't stop there, though. This is fascinating. It's part of God's amazing timing. Because as the years have passed by, and as unbelievers have tried harder and harder to explain the creation without God, they want to leave him out of it. They want to come up with their own explanation. God has revealed himself more and more through his creation and let us see and understand more and more. So at this point in time, God's made himself so obvious. I'm telling you guys, I'm, I'm not kidding. If you want to leave him out, and a lot of people do, you know what they're doing? They're resorting mainly to bluff and sometimes name calling. That's the way they behave. It's getting harder and harder to explain creation without God. So they, what they've done is they've come up with some jargon, <laughs> you know, some words that most people don't understand to try to overwhelm people and impress people. And then they try to assure people that, well, all real scientists agree with us. <laughs> it's a joke. Then they try to make sure that only scientists with secular worldviews are allowed on faculties. You know, they got kind of a monopoly on college faculty. And then they call people names if they disagree with them. The people who reject God turn out, for the most part, to be bullies. Have you noticed that? Who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah. So you know what God's done? <laughs> He's seen to it that men who wanted to see could begin to understand that this universe was incredibly huge and complex 
beyond any of our abilities even to begin to grasp. And the only way to explain it is with God. And the ones with eyes to see would begin to exclaim, Amen, David. <laughs> the heavens really do declare the glory of God. Anybody that wants to see it can see it. And, and you, you would have to add now, by the way, David, you didn't even see the millionth part of it. I mean, it's, it's a shame you couldn't see what we can see now. Because the Creator God is indeed glorious beyond our wildest imaginations. We cannot begin to get the slightest glimpse, but what we see is incredible. And we can see a lot more than David could see. Now, as you know, the religion of secular humanism, we've talked about that before and Veritas, but it's taken hold in our colleges and universities. It's the preferred worldview. So secularized men with PhDs said, well, okay, we'll grant it's pretty awesome, but we can explain it without God. So let's leave God out of this. We're not going to get into, quote, religion, they say. So what they have to do is throw real science out the window because true science points to God. So they started putting forth ideas about how the universe could have gotten here just by sheer chance, all on its own, without God. You know, they've, they've come up with ideas. And of course, many people have been confused by that through the years. When we look at God's creation, when we just look at it, anywhere almost, our common sense tells us, whoa, how awesome. Only God could have done this. But of course, the humanists all the time are loudly shouting, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not scientists. We're the scientists. <laughs> and it only looks like it was created. It really is. And it just has the appearance of design and creation. There's no God. Now, it's important for you to know, guys, all along there have been brilliant, godly scientists who love Jesus and who knew God did this. But the voices of the scientists who were humanists have been so shrill and so loud and they've been broadcast so widely that they tended to drown out the voices of scientists who were Christian. You don't hear that very often. You have to kind of look for it. And since humanists control the hiring of new professors, in most cases, they made very sure that scientists who believed in the Creator were not hired. They would hire only fellow humanists. They had a religious monopoly on this thing. A few decades ago now, scientists who were open to the truth began to notice something really amazing. It's kind of like God saying, here, let me show you a little bit more. <laughs> and it's led some atheists even to seriously kind of struggle with their atheism because they, they realize this really does point to God, maybe more strongly than anything yet. But scientists who were open to the possibility of the reality of the Creator God began to notice that the universe seems to be very carefully and very meticulously designed for life and for us, to, for mankind to exist on planet Earth here. It's pretty amazing. And, and believe me, guys, I'm just going to barely touch the surface of this today. We don't have time to get it into, a, in, into great depth, but, but I think you're going to find it fascinating. Sometimes we call this study a study of the fine-tuning of the universe, the fine-tuning of the universe. And the more that scientists study this fascinating discovery and understanding, the more exciting it gets. They just keep finding more and more things like this. So, you see what's happening here? At the same time that rebellious men are coming up with foolish schemes and hypotheses, guesses that let them pretend there's no God, 
God himself was allowing men to see and understand more and more of his breathtakingly awesome creation. That's just the way God does it. And it's beautiful and it's exciting. You remember Isaac Newton? I bet you studied Isaac Newton in some of your science courses. One of the greatest scientists who ever lived. In fact, when it comes to scientists, many would call him the greatest of all time. Yeah, maybe. I'm not really sure that he was a genuine Christian, but he certainly did love and revere the Bible. He recognized it as God's Word. And in addition to his work in physics, he actually wrote a lot of Bible commentaries. And God allowed Isaac Newton to understand a little bit more of his creation than men before him could have possibly understood. So Isaac Newton saw things that other men couldn't see. And so he understood enough to know that there was much, much more to the universe that even he could not grasp. It was too much for him. At one point, Newton said this, and it's a beautiful quote. He said, I must confess to a feeling of profound humility in the presence of a universe which transcends us at almost every point. Newton said, I feel like a child who, while playing by the seashore, has found a few bright colored shells and a few pebbles, while the whole vast ocean of truth stretches out almost untouched and unruffled before my eager fingers. It's like he's, I'd, I'd like to understand more of it, I, but he understood enough to realize there was much, much more. See what, it, what I'm saying? He, he had an understanding of the vastness of the universe, at least some understanding. And the glory of God's creation, men before him didn't even have a clue. I mean, they may have known that it was still amazing and God had to do it, but they couldn't see all that Newton saw. Well, a little later, a man named Charles Darwin came along. <laughs> you remember him? We've talked about him before. He wrote a book called Origin of Species. And what he was trying to do was explain life without God. But you know what God was doing at about that same time? <laughs> he allowed a Frenchman, whose name was Leon Foucault, to discover a way to silver mirrors for telescopes more precisely so that we could have bigger and better telescopes that could see farther into the creation. And so men began to be able to see more than they'd ever seen before of God's breathtaking universe. Isn't that amazing? About the same time. So in the past century or so now, we've discovered much, much more about the heavens than anyone could have known before. And it's as if God were saying, look, I think it's time for you to see what I have made with just a little more detail, a little more clearly. I want you to be in a little more awe of my amazing creation. I don't want you to get the idea that this could have happened by chance. At the same time, by the way, God was allowing these molecular biologists to discover more and more about the amazing structure of living things at a molecular level. We've already talked about that in Veritas as well, but if you haven't seen that, you need to watch that. So now, in our own day, we really see the heavens declaring the glory of God more loudly and more clearly than ever before. It's really true. The, the only exception would be if we were just willfully blind, and many people are. They love the praise of men more than they love the praise of God, so they're determined not to see God. And they'll just shut their minds and shut their eyes and say, no, 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 this can't be God. They've got, a, they've got another explanation. <laughs> so so it's, a, it's, it's sad to see people do that. So God is now telling us, hey, those tiny little incredible, beautiful points of light you see on a clear night, those things you call stars, blow you away, 
with the glory on a good clear night? Let me see. Let me let you see a little more about them. <laughs> let me show you a little more. And he's revealed things that just blow our minds away. We don't have time to get into those kind of details here today, but I tell you, scientists have found some amazing things out there in the creation. One named Dr. Arthur Harding wrote a textbook on astronomy. He wrote this. He said, who can study the science of astronomy and contemplate the starlit heavens with a knowledge of the dimensions of the celestial bodies, their movements, their enormous distances, without bowing his head in reverence to the power that brought this universe into being and safely guides its individual members, he could see the glory of God in the creation. For example, the Milky Way, you know that milky white band we call the Milky Way stretches across the sky. It's really beautiful on a late summer night. It's always had the ability to take our breath away, right, with this beauty. I mean, we don't have to have a telescope, but now we know it's made up of about 100 billion stars. Each one of those stars is very similar to our sun. And each of those stars releases in a billionth of a second more energy than a major city on earth could use in a year. God's let us see that and figure that out. People before couldn't know it. It blows our minds away. And now we know there are at least 100 billion more galaxies similar to our own galaxy scattered through the universe. Sometimes they sometimes say there are really hundreds of billions, maybe even a trillion more galaxies. When we're talking about galaxies, let me just add a little side note here just to kind of illustrate how God does things. There's so many little details like this in his creation. But it's as if God wants to continually amaze the astronomers. It's fascinating to me that God saw fit to make a lot of these galaxies into what we call spiral galaxies. Our Milky Way is a spiral galaxy. The Andromeda galaxy is a spiral galaxy. You know what they look like. You see these spiral arms. God has allowed us to discover that spiral galaxies rotate faster near their cores, their centers, than at the outer arms of the galaxy. But scientists have studied that and they think, wait a minute. That means over time, they would twist more and more tightly. And scientists say now, well, you know, if they were billions of years old, they should have now been twisted beyond recognition. This doesn't make much sense. So it makes them look younger than astronomers say they have to be according to secular astronomy anyway. It's one of the many difficulties that scientists run into when they try to leave God out of their explanations. It's lots of stuff like that. We know now that certain parts of our Milky Way galaxy where we live, where our sun is, our planet is, certain parts of it give off huge amounts of deadly radiation. It's the kind of radiation in, in, in these huge amounts that would just make life totally impossible. But God's placed our solar system in just the right place in our galaxy so the radiation's not deadly where we are. God did that. There are also many places in our galaxy where the light would be so overwhelming and so strong that we wouldn't be able to see anything outside our galaxy. But what do you know? God's placed us out from the, that part of the galaxy where we can see uh, more of his awesome creation. So we can see things that we couldn't have seen otherwise and be amazed at what he's done and understand more of his creation. He said so many things like that. He tilted the earth on its axis. You know that. So we have seasons and, and it's tilted just at the right amount so it stabilizes the climate on the earth. He placed our moon in orbit around the earth at exactly the right distance and gave it exactly the right mass so it would control the tides on the earth. And the tides oxygenate the oceans. If he hadn't put it exactly where it is, life couldn't exist on earth. 
Isn't that amazing? God did that. He placed the sun 400 times further away from us than the moon, and he made it 400 times bigger, which, lo and behold, allows for perfect total eclipses. There are times when the moon gets right between us and the sun and blots out the sun. And during those times of total eclipses, scientists have learned that, whoa, we can learn things about the universe that we didn't know before, things that God created. God did that. He placed the earth at exactly the right distance from the sun so that life can exist and thrive. If we were just a little bit closer, heat would kill all living things. If we were a little bit farther away, the cold would kill all living things. God put the giant planets in our solar system, like Jupiter, Saturn, outside the Earth's orbit. One of the effects there is that they, they pull in space debris, like comets, away from the Earth's orbit. And that protects us from devastating collisions. God did that. God made the sun the exact right color. You realize stars come in different colors depending on their heat and size. He made the sun the exact right color so that photosynthesis can occur in plants. We can have life. God did it. Something else that's just fascinating about our universe that physicists have started discovering, they've discovered numbers. We call them constants. They always hold true in our universe. There are a lot of them, but let me just give you a few for an example. There's a certain unique constant associated with each of the four fundamental physical forces in the universe. You may have studied the four fundamental forces in the universe in science classes. For example, there's gravitation. You know, that's a major force in the universe between objects that have mass. Well, there's a gravitational constant. It has to do with the amount of force exerted by gravity. If it were a tiny bit weaker, Planets and stars couldn't even hold together. They couldn't exist. If it were just a tiny bit stronger, the stars would burn up quickly. You couldn't have a star that's stable like the sun is. Another one of those forces is the electromagnetic force, you know, the forces between positive and negative electromagnetic charges, like electrons and protons. Well, there's a constant associated with the electromagnetic force. And if that constant were slightly weaker or slightly stronger, either way, chemical bonds wouldn't be stable. Compounds couldn't form. There's also a constant associated with the strength of the strong nuclear force. If you studied the atom, you've probably heard of the strong nuclear force, which holds those protons together inside the nucleus of an atom, which normally would repel each other. It's only found at the atomic level. But if that strong nuclear force constant was just a little bit weaker, Several of the elements that are necessary for life couldn't even exist. They'd just fall apart. It has to be exactly the right strength. There's a constant associated with the weak nuclear force. If the weak nuclear force were just slightly different, cosmologists tell us that the stars couldn't form. It has to be exactly, precisely correct. There's another constant. Scientists call it the cosmological constant. It has to be incredibly precise to keep the universe from either collapsing in on itself or flying apart. And it has to be fine-tuned, listen to this, guys, to one part in 10 to the 120th power. Now, that number is, all these numbers are totally inconceivable. It's, I, I promise you, you cannot conceive of this. Our brains have a hard time wrapping around exponential numbers, 10 to certain powers. But if you multiply 10 times itself, you get 100. 10 times itself again, you get 1,000. 10 times itself again, you get 10,000. That's 10 to the fourth. Well, if you go up to 10 to the 120th power, 
it's a monstrous number, 120 zeros. To help you realize just how inconceivable it is, listen, I'm telling you the truth. You may find this hard to believe. But if you added up all the atoms in the universe, all the atoms and all the planets, all the suns, all the galaxies of the universe, scientists estimate that there are approximately 10 to the 80th power atoms in the entire universe. But that cosmological constant has to be fine-tuned to one part in 10 to the 120th power. I mean, it has to be exactly right. God did that. God put all these things together. You see what God's telling us here? None of this could have happened by chance. That's what he's telling us. It's too precise. He's designed all of this. He's the one who's fine-tuned the universe to an incredible, unfathomably precise degree. And he's letting us see it more and more. He's letting us see his genius as we understand more and more of what he's created. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? God's letting us see these things. There are many, many other examples of this kind of divine fine-tuning of our universe that allows our universe to exist and allows us to exist, allows life to exist. We simply have to conclude that God has left men no excuse for ignoring him. We do it because we're willfully blind. We want to have things our way. We don't want God to be our judge. We don't want God telling us what to do. We want God out of the picture. God calls us. I, I don't. God says, if you do that, you are a fool. There's a British astrophysicist named Paul Davies. Dr. Davies wrote this. There is now broad agreement among physicists and cosmologists that the universe is in several respects fine-tuned for life. Carbon and the properties of objects such as stable, long-lived stars depend rather sensitively on the values of certain physical parameters. It is fine-tuned for the essential building blocks and environments that life requires. Davies goes on to say, There is for me powerful evidence that there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe. The impression of design is overwhelming. Pretty strong quote from a scientist who knows what he's talking about, huh? Here's another quote. This is from a NASA astronomer named John O'Keefe. John O'Keefe said this, We are, by astronomical standards, a pampered, cosseted, cherished group of creatures. If the universe had not been made with the most exacting precision, we could never come into existence. It is my view that these circumstances indicate the universe was created for man to live in. So there's a NASA scientist who knows exactly what all these things point to, to a creator God. Dr. Arno Pincius is a Nobel Prize winning physicist, brilliant man. Dr. Pincius said this, Astronomy leads us to a unique event, a universe which was created out of nothing, one with a very delicate balance needed to provide exactly the conditions required to permit life, and one which has an underlying, one might say, supernatural plan. He could see it. He could see it. He was honest. God has fine-tuned his universe, guys. And more and more scientists are beginning to see it more and more clearly. The people at the Discovery Institute and Illustra Media have put together a video called The Privileged Planet. 
it's a great video. I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not. But what they do in that video is do a great job of communicating some of the things we've been talking about here and a, and a lot more. You can order it if you want to. You can order it online. They've also made a lot of it, most of it, maybe all of it, available on YouTube where you can watch it for free if you want to. It's very well done. has some excellent computer simulations in it. Fascinating. What I've done is I've decided to, to include just a little brief clip for you here. This is a little more than five minutes. That's all. I think you're going to find it fascinating. Now watch this with me. On the surface of the Earth, we're really in the optimum position for seeing both the nearby structure of the Milky Way galaxy as well as seeing the distant cosmos as a whole. So once again, we see that the best location for habitability and for producing a habitable planet is also the best overall position for scientific discovery, in this case, at the galactic scale. For centuries, the fact that we can discover things about the universe has really been something of a mystery. Why would beings like ourselves be able to discover a universe like this? Why is what we think about the universe, why would it correspond to the way things really are? Our ability to discern and understand the universe is a fundamental part of what makes the universe tick. So that we're linked into it, this isn't just a sort of an accident, a trivial little byproduct. It is something that is linked to the great cosmic scheme of things. Now, I've no idea how that linkage works, why it's there, or anything of that sort, uh, but I'm very, very struck by the fact that we can understand the universe uh, in such exquisite detail and at such a deep level. The spectacular progress of modern astronomy and physics is the product of a universe accessible to the human eye and mind. It is a universe governed by laws and forces that literally hold our planet Earth and the entire cosmos together and are finely calibrated to allow for both complex life and scientific discovery. If you didn't have something like gravity that pulled matter together, you would never get planets, you wouldn't get stars, you wouldn't get any complex organisms. If you didn't have the strong nuclear force, there would be nothing to hold protons and neutrons together in the nucleus. And so you wouldn't have any atoms, so no chemistry. If you didn't have the electromagnetic force, you would have no bonding between chemicals. You'd have no light, and the list goes on. So you need all these sorts of fundamental principles have to be in place in order for life to occur. Wipe out one of those principles, wipe out one of those laws, no life. During the past 40 years, scientists have determined the relative strengths of each of these primary laws and forces. These strengths are so critically balanced, they are often described as being finely tuned. If you're to take the basic fundamental constants of nature and you were to change these even slightly, or you were to pick their values at random, you would almost never get a universe that would be habitable in any sort of way. That is, you couldn't have galaxies, you couldn't have planets, you couldn't have complex biological organisms if these uh, fundamental constants were even slightly different, slightly stronger, slightly weaker than they actually are in this universe. That's the idea of fine-tuning. To better appreciate this concept, imagine a machine able to control the strengths of each of the physical constants. If you changed, even slightly from its current setting, the strength of any one of these fundamental forces 
such as gravity, the impact on complex life would be catastrophic. If you increased it by a little bit, no large-scale life forms could exist. Anything that was more than the size of a pea would be completely crushed. So you might be able to get life of a very, very primitive sort, such as bacteria, but you could never get conscious observers. Now, this is one of a long list of properties in underlying physics that seem to be prerequisites for a universe with life. For example, the strengths of the other forces are all important, the masses of the various subatomic particles. If all of these things were even a little bit different, uh, then life, uh, certainly life as we know it, could not exist. These forces and constants are another example of the correlation between life and discovery. For not only are they finely tuned for our existence, they can also be understood. It's remarkable how well the laws work. And not only that, it's remarkable how simple they are. And that also is related to the discoverability of the laws. Albert Einstein wrote, I have deep faith that the principles of the universe will be both beautiful and simple. For nearly 400 years, scientists have discovered an elegant simplicity in the mathematical equations that express and unlock the laws of the cosmos. It's been said that many of the most important theories in theoretical physics can be written on a single sheet of paper. And this, I think, uh, ought to be considered surprising, that such, such a simple formula or equation could have such far-reaching applications to a very complicated and very large universe. What you have is a universe that is not only finely tuned for life to occur, but also has a beautiful, elegant mathematical structure and a structure such that we can discover that structure. Most scientists just take it for granted that the world is both ordered and intelligible. And the intelligible part I find uh, really quite extraordinary because it's one thing to accept that the universe is ordered, but ordered in a way that human beings are, are capable of understanding is an extraordinary thing. And so the question naturally arises, what is the explanation for that? So there you go. You might want to check out the whole video later. Listen, guys, God has created an incredibly complex universe that is incredibly fine-tuned for life. And he did it in such a way that the creatures he made in his own image, us, could discover it and so that we could understand it. He gave us a mind so we could see these things. Why did he do that? So that we could give him great praise and glory for his awesome creative power and his awesome engineering genius and his awesome, incredibly beautiful artistry. Only fools try to write God out of the script, guys. So I'm pleading with you, don't be a fool. Just bow before God and give him praise and give him glory that belongs to him. He is truly awesome. And he's left us no excuse not to see that truth unless we just want to be willfully blind, which is foolish. Let's talk to him. Father, we do praise you and we stand in awe of you. You are an amazing creator, God. We just, we know, Lord, we just see a tiny, tiny bit of what you've made, both at the astronomical, cosmological scale and at the molecular scale. Lord, we see so little. 
But Lord, what we do see just blows us away. It makes us realize what an awesome, amazing creator God you are. And it makes us appreciate the beauty of, of your artistry and the amazing engineering skill that you show in creating all these things. Lord, you're amazing. And we want to worship you well. And we pray, Lord, for people who can't see you because they don't want to see you. And we pray for them that they might realize that they can find great joy in you and they can find meaning in life in you. Lord, I pray you'd tear away the blindness and help more people see. Help us to know what to say to help them. Use these Veritas videos to help people come to realize that you really are God and there's none else. And you've revealed yourself in many, many ways and you've given us all kinds of evidence that points us to you. Evidence from your creation. Evidence in your word. Evidence in the way you work in our lives. Lord, you're amazing. So help us to communicate that well. Help us to bring you a lot of glory and help us to just marvel and be in awe more and more of your incredible greatness, your power, your love, your wisdom. You're an awesome father. We love you. Thank you for loving us. It amazes us. In Jesus' name, amen.